Welcome to studentofthebible.com. I'm your host, Renee, and in today's episode, we're going to learn about a place called Mount Precipice. Have you ever heard of it? It's in Nazareth, which means it's located in the Holy Land. Together, let's learn about this very interesting and important place. I have a picture on my website, studentofthebible.com, of what Mount Precipice looks like. It's actually a picture taken from on top of the mount, and you're looking down at the town of Nazareth. The mount itself is pretty old. One of its names, in fact, is Mount Kedomen, which means ancient place. Bones have been found 100,000 years ago all along this mount. The mount's other names are Mount Precipitation, Mount of the Leap of the Lord, and Mount Precipice. Okay, so why are we talking about this today? What do people believe happened here? Some think this might be the hill mentioned in the Gospel of Luke, where the people of Nazareth rejected Jesus in the synagogue because he said that he was the Messiah. So they chased him out of town and onto a hilltop where they tried to push him off. The mount, Mount Precipice, may be that hill. The mount stands at 1,296 feet. Pushing someone off the edge definitely would result in certain death. When you're on top of the mount, you can see the town of Nazareth. The Sea of Galilee is about 15 miles away. And Cana, remember the marriage of Cana? It's just up the road, three and a half miles. During the time of Jesus, the population of the town of Nazareth was at most 300, and some theologians think more likely only 150 people. So think about that. It's a small town. Everyone knew everyone's business. Nazareth was a farming community, and land was passed down from generation to generation. You could not sell the land outside of the tribe of Zebulun. The land could be leased for 50 years, but then the land had to be given back to the original family, which meant generation upon generation of families lived there. Now, Nazareth is the place where Jesus grew up. Other than his birth in Bethlehem, and remember a short stint in Egypt, Jesus spent his entire life here until he was 30 years old. Therefore, Jesus spent more of his life in Nazareth than anywhere else. And so it's safe to say that the people of Nazareth watched Jesus grow up and felt that they knew him pretty well. Nazareth is in the northern part of Israel, in what is called the Lower Galilee area. Outside of this region, few people knew about Nazareth, which is probably why the gospel writers had to explain where Nazareth was. 
they said a town in Galilee. Ah, the town's never mentioned in the Old Testament. Well, have you ever thought about why God would then have Jesus grow up in such a small podunk town, Nazareth, and then for the rest of his life only go about 30 miles away from there? Well, of course, we can never completely explain things that scripture doesn't tell us. But it is worth noting that the big city of Jerusalem, which is about 70 miles to the south, was not on the Roman highway system. The majority of Jesus's miracles around the Sea of Galilee were along the Roman highway. Well, so what? Well, the so what is that word therefore spread quickly along the Roman highway. Nazareth and Galilee were literally at the crossroads of the known world. So, honestly, news of Jesus's miracles spread rapidly. This region was connected by a Roman road that connected to the King's Highway and the Way of the Sea Highway. And that ran from Damascus, Syria, through the Galilee region. And this was part of the major Roman highway system that connected routes Africa to Asia. Now, the Romans built over 250,000 miles of roads, which is actually why we have the phrase, all roads lead to Rome, because <laughs> at one time they actually did. So, small little Nazareth was literally at the crossroads of civilization. Now, Nazareth was the home of Joseph and Mary. It's also where the angel Gabriel announced to Mary she would be the mother of Christ. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and as I said, his family moved to Egypt, remember, because of the threats from King Herod. But then after that, the family moved to Nazareth. And this was prophesied in Isaiah, chapter 11, verse 1. Isaiah said that a shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Mm, I didn't mention Nazareth, did I? Okay, this is cool. Branch is basically the same word in Hebrew as Nazareth. When Isaiah also talks about the stump of Jesse, well, there he's referring to King David's father. His name was Jesse. And remember, Jesus is from the line of King David. So are Mary and Jesus's earthly father, Joseph. You know, it's interesting to note that Jesus never referred to himself as Jesus of Nazareth. Check it out in the Bible. In fact, the first time he's even referred to as being from Nazareth was from his soon-to-be apostle, Nathaniel. And it was actually said in a derogatory way when he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth apparently had a bad reputation, but we don't know why. <laughs> I mean, was it because they had a habit of driving people out and threatening to throw them off a cliff? Eh, we're not sure. Pilate used the phrase Jesus of Nazareth. Do you know where? Yeah, 
It's on the plaque above Jesus's cross. Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Okay, so now you have some background on the people of Nazareth. So let's find out what's so important about this mountain. What happened on that Sabbath day when Jesus read from the scroll of Isaiah? The Bible tells us that Jesus came back to his home in Nazareth, and this was after he was baptized and then tempted in the desert for 40 days. So honestly, he probably wanted a good home-cooked meal and a hug from his mom. Luke tells us that Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day like he had done countless times before. This was his childhood synagogue. And what's cool is a part of it exists today. The Nazareth Synagogue Church stands on top of where they believe the synagogue was that Jesus worshipped as a young man. So the tradition in synagogue was for rabbis to read on the Sabbath. They would take turns reading the scriptures. Jesus had been away for a while, but there was also a tradition that would allow visitors to teach. Scripture tells us Jesus stood up to read just like he'd been doing in synagogues all over the region, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. Coincidence? I think not. He unrolled it, and he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he closed the book, well, actually the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the gospel tells us that the eyes of the whole synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Okay, so you can imagine they had to let that sink in for a minute. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing? Then Luke continues, and all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying to themselves, Is this not Joseph's son? Jesus said to them, No doubt you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard was done at Capernaum, do it here in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly, I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. But I say to you, in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when a great famine came over the land. And yet, Elijah was sent to none of them but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, 
Only Naaman, the Syrian. Okay, what is Jesus saying here? <laughs> well, Jesus is saying that God sometimes chooses to reach Gentiles instead of Jews. Yikes! He was also saying that these people listening to him were as unbelieving and wicked as the citizens of the northern kingdom during the time of Elijah and Elisha. Jesus has poked the proverbial bear. Luke goes on. And all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. Yeah, you can imagine. And they got up and they drove him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill on which their city had been built in order to throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went his way. Throw people off a cliff, huh? Well, this meant the guilty weren't worth burying. This was a common practice for disposing of criminals. I think it's fair to say Jesus's message to his fellow Nazareth neighbors did not land well. He tells them that the Gentiles received miracles when many of the Jews didn't. And he did not perform many miracles in Nazareth because of their lack of faith. Jesus basically said to them, look, you guys are going to demand stuff from me and you're going to reject me. And that's exactly what happened. Well, before we start judging his neighbors in Nazareth, let's stop for a moment and think. Be honest. How do we respond when God speaks? <laughs> what do you mean, God, I'm a sinner in need of forgiveness? Yeah. Most of the time, we get angry. And much of the time, we reject him. The town people, the Gospel of Luke says, rose up, drove Jesus out of the city to the brow of a hill, Mount Precipice, perhaps, to harm him. But did you hear what I said? He passed through their midst. He walked right through the crowd and left supernaturally. Well, let's summarize our takeaways from Mount Precipice. Nazareth had a bad reputation. We don't know why. But God's light was placed in the darkest places. People rejected Christ. Therefore, we should not be surprised when people reject us, especially when we're talking about Jesus's forgiveness of our sins. Jesus was rejected by his own family, his own town, and his closest friends. He gets it when we're rejected. One final thought. Don't have enemies because you're unloving or cruel or mean. Have enemies because you stand for the truth. Don't have enemies because you're unloving or mean or cruel. 
have enemies because you stand for the truth. Have a blessed day.